Isn't God great, church? Isn't, isn't it great? Amen. Father God, you are truly great. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are great in your might and your power. We thank you you are good in your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you're good to us because of your grace. And we just declare to you this morning, you are great and greatly to be praised. We worship you today. We thank you for who you are, especially who you are to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, it's been so good already. I'm telling you, this morning's sermon has a, a lot of scriptures to it, so you're going to have to listen fast because I'm going to be talking fast. And uh, I always have a lot of scriptures in my sermons, but today I have maybe more than ever. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, just, just know who we are at Sand Springs. We're a Bible-based church. Amen. Amen. We're Bible-based, Christ-centered. Amen. Spirit-led and family-focused. And so today we're going to continue talking about the family, and we will for the next couple of weeks. But we, we have homework today, and I'm actually going to send you home with some homework. Uh, but we are, uh, you, you'll like it, uh, but we are a family-focused church. So uh, the word the Lord gave me this year early on was the word covenant, and it continues just to show up over and over and over and over again, the covenant. And, and so when you see... Things that you can just put your, your sights on it. Satan absolutely hates it. Then you go ahead and value it because it must be something that God loves. Because the things that he hates and, and attacks. I mean, we, we've seen uh, recently the attack of Israel, October 17th, was it? Anyway, uh, on that, that day, we're going to look in these scriptures. That is the most hated people group in all of humanity. And has been all the way back to Genesis 12. And yet... God loves them, and he says that. Let's just get started. Genesis chapter 1, when God begins creating everything, uh, we see that the marriage is initiated in Genesis chapter 1. In verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. I'll come back to that just a second. Isn't it interesting that... These things that God highly values, Satan attacks. I mean, we, we start off with, the word, with marriage, and the word covenant is not, not actually used in this passage regarding marriage. God hung the key to understanding marriage on the back door of the Old Testament. By the way, I do want to point out, testament is the same word as covenant. So your Bible is broken up into Old Covenant, New Covenant. That's just something maybe you didn't know. And, and so when you're looking at the, the Old Covenant, it originally started with a relationship between a husband and a wife. Why is that so bad? Why does Satan want to attack the family? Because God highly values the family. And, and it, I mean, I never, I know the family has been under attack for years and years and years. Uh, before my time, the, I mean, the family's always been under attack. But I never really thought that, that some of this other stuff would be an issue. Let's just go over verse 27 again. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Who'd ever thunk it? <laughs> that we can't figure that part out. I mean, that, that's, that's so obvious. And as I've quoted before, I'll quote him again because it's so good. It, I mean, it's so super spiritual. Uh, my brother, uh, Pastor Jim Everidge, 
he, he says, when it comes to this, it's not that confusing. Uh, look down, check your plumbing, look up, see who's coming. That's what he says. <laughs> so it's not that confusing. And yet in today's confused age, we even take gender, which God created initially. And, and we, we all mixed up on that. So Verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. You're going to see that word connected to the covenant over and over and over and again. Multiply. What we see in this, in that this passage of scripture, covenant, the word is not used there. It's used in Malachi chapter 2 verse 14 when God is laying out his issues with humanity, especially Israel at that time. And he said, basically, you've mistreated the wife of your covenant. Malachi 2.14. This business of marriage is a covenant. Now, a covenant is a divinely initiated or created agreement between humanity and God. Everybody got that? This is why marriage is so important, because it is a three-way agreement between husband and wife and God. And it's a covenant. And there are things that happen in a covenant that this is the first covenant that we do see and with the first two humans. Now, these things that happen with the covenant, you'll see over and over and over again. We'll get to the, that as this, I hope that the understanding of covenant begins to expand and the lights begin to go up in your understanding of what a covenant is. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, we see, or I'm sorry, chapter 6, we see uh, this word actually being used for the first time. And it is in regards to the ark in which Noah and his family would escape. In Genesis 6, 18, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. And if you look over chapter nine, verse one, so God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. You see it? It's always connected to covenant. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And uh, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth. And some of us, the beasts fear more than others. Amen. Some of you. <laughs> the beast shall fear you. Oh, every beast on the earth and every bird of the air, the beast of the earth being the deer, the, the critters, the birds of the air being your duck, your dove, your pheasant, your quail. They shall fear you. And all the fish of the sea shall fear you. They shall fear me. <laughs> and they are given into your hand. Praise God. I take that verse very serious. <laughs> I take that very serious. And then verse 13, I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant. So there, you'll always see a sealing of the covenant, and then you'll see a sign of the covenant. So God seals the covenant and gives humanity a sign of the covenant. And the sign of this, it, we call it the Noahic covenant, the covenant towards all humanity, the first one you see in the Bible. It's actually the second one, but it is the five major covenants in the scriptures. The Noahic covenant is given to all humanity, and God says it's a one-way covenant. I am sealing the covenant with the rainbow, or, or giving a sign of the covenant with the rainbow. And there again, I go back to why does Satan have to hijack everything that God does and says is important? Now, if you wonder where we stand on the issue of gender, I've already kind of explained that to you. Uh, when it comes to homosexuality, please let me make this very clear. We love everybody at Sand Springs. We love everybody. And, and you just know that, that this is a place that anybody can come seek the Lord here. When it comes to the issue of homosexuality, we love 
we love the individual and declare to them that God loves them and has a plan and a purpose for them. And that plan and purpose is better than that lifestyle. And so that, that in that lifestyle, God still loves the world. And yet God has a plan and a purpose. And there is a covenant that he created between a man and a woman. And so what you see that when a covenant has been declared, Satan will try to twist the covenant. But you can't take what God created and use that name. Y'all following me? Use that name on something different than what God created. So you can't call it marriage when it's not as God designed. Everybody tracking with me. Because it's a covenant. It is God created. It is though, why is it that, that, that we have to, to take what is God's and twist it? Well, that's what Satan does. He, he's a, a twister. And so, and so we see this. I set my rainbow as a sign of the covenant, verse 13. Uh, of Genesis 9, it shall be when I bring cloud over the earth, the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which, I, uh, which is between me and you and every living creature of all the earth, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And so we see this over again about the covenant. Now we're going to continue looking at this business of covenant. Genesis chapter 17, and in chapter 12, God calls Abraham, and at this time his name has not yet been named Abraham, but it's Abram. And uh, he says, I'm going to bless all people through you. You're going to be a blessing to all people. Chapter 17, it goes further. In chapter 17, verse 1, Then Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Amen. Amen. El Shaddai. I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. So for three times now, we've seen the word covenant, not necessarily with Adam and Eve, but we know that is a covenant. And that all three times it says multiply, multiply, multiply. Now at Sand Springs, I think that we're doing a pretty good job at this. We've got babies popping up all over the place. It's a fun way to grow a church. I mean, send somebody home a CD of Kenny G, Luther Vandross, some candles. I don't know. It's a, it's a way to... I mean, it's a way to grow a church. Uh, and, and so it is biblical, folks. It says multiply. Verse 2, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will multiply. I will multiply you exceedingly. Now, here is the, that's the sitting of the covenant. Here's the sign. Chapter 17, verse 11. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and that shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Isn't it interesting that when God says with the nation of Israel, my covenant is, you're the covenant people, and here's the sign, and it's circumcision. We don't like to talk about circumcision a whole lot. I mean, it's a little uncomfortable, I'm sure. But do you recognize that it, the sign of the covenant is in the area of reproduction? And he says every time, multiply, multiply. And, and I want to point this out to you, that every time you see covenant, it's almost every time you will see the word and the blood, the word and the blood. And when marriage is done the way God created marriage to be done, there is a standing before people declaring the word of God over that relationship. And when it is done the way God created it to be done and the consummation of that marriage, there's blood. Now, we don't shy away from truth here, even when it's uncomfortable but do you see how God designed it? 
Marriage is a covenant, and there are physical attributes to marriage that says that God said, I hope y'all get it. I hope you see why I value marriage so highly, because it is a picture of my covenant agreement with humanity, and the human marriage is a picture of a relationship between God and man. That's why he values it so highly. And so let us also, folks, value it highly. Amen? We need to value what, what God values. We need to love what he loves. And so every time Adam and Eve multiply, Noah multiply, Abram multiply, we get into uh, to Exodus, in Exodus chapter uh, 1 and verse 7, God had promised Abraham, I'm going to multiply your people group, your family. Remember the 99-year-old man who his wife couldn't have children, and she's thinking he can't have children, and you know the story. They have children. But, verse 7 of Exodus 1, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, and what's that next word? Multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. Now we're getting somewhere. Now, there's, there's strength in numbers, obviously. We know that they're just a, a, a united people group is very powerful. I'm going to tell you something. A united people group under a covenant is super powerful. And so now the nation of Israel, as you continue to read in the book of Exodus, the nation of Israel has continued to multiply and has multiplied exceedingly. And, and, and God put them in an incubator called Egypt. And so when famine hit the land, he, he moved this little, it was a, a, a tiny little fledgling nation as a one family, and he moves them to Egypt. And over the course of 400 years, they multiplied exceedingly, so much so that the Egyptians were threatened. Now, Israel goes into Egypt as shepherds. Because that they were a threat to Egypt, they've been made slaves. But they come out of Egypt as soldiers. And God said, I'm going to uh, not just multiply you. There's going to be mighty power within you. Chapter 6 of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But my name, Lord, Yahweh, I was not known to them. I, also was I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. It's all about the covenant. Verse 6, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, and I will take you. Don't you love the I wills of God? I will, I will, I will. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give to you as a heritage. heritage. I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. And so God is saying that you are my covenant people. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your socks off. I'm going to empower you. And in Exodus chapter 24, now, now he said, God said to Moses, there at Mount Sinai, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. So 
Moses comes up to the Lord. Lord gives him a blueprint of all of his design, and he gives him commandments. Again, you will see with a covenant there will be commands or the word, and you will see the shedding of blood. Chapter three, uh, 24, verse, uh, let's look at 4. No, 3. So Moses, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered and said with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. We will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. What are altars for? Shedding of blood. They were going to be sacrificing on these altars. And the 12 pillars, according to the 12 tribes of Israel, then he sent young men and children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrifices, peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood, and he put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the what? That's what he got on the mountain. So God declared a covenant with Abraham. God did the sacrifice, had him pass through the blood. And now we have Moses and God has declared the covenant and, and has given commandments with the covenant and said, you write it down. You write it down. By the way, maybe you know this. They put the covenant in a box called the Ark of the Okay, remember you all remember Indiana Jones. Why was this ark so powerful? Because it bore the covenant. The covenant. That's where the power is. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood of the covenant, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Word and blood, word and blood, word and blood. We see also they continue to multiply. Now, I want to point out that when the nation of Israel then passes through Canaan land and enters into promised land, now I know it took 40 years because of unbelief, but when in the book of Joshua they finally go into the promised land, everywhere they go, what leads the armies of God? The Ark of the Covenant. And as they continue to trust in the Lord and remind themselves of the covenant, God continued to bring victory after victory after victory. And I just want you to remember there's power in the covenant. You want God's power operating, you want God's blessings operating in your marriage? Honor the covenant. Recognize you've made an agreement with God. It's a binding agreement with God. Here's a good one. By the way, uh, I love Dr. Tony Evans, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. You, you can listen to him. You won't go wrong. He's got a sermon out there. Check it out. It's called uh, uh, Marriage, a Covenant, Not a Contract. He talks about David and, and uh, Goliath. And, and y'all know little Dave and his giant Goliath. So I've already done the measurements before, previous sermon. And nine foot six is about where the fur down comes on the, the ceiling here, where the, the can lights. Y'all tracking with me? That's about nine foot six. That's how tall Goliath was. And so David comes up to the giant. This young man, David, comes up to the giant, and he says this word twice. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So Tony Evans said, when everybody else was looking up here, David was looking down here. <laughs> and, said, and, and by the way, it's probably eye level. So anyway, <laughs> 
But David understood the power of the covenant. David said, I don't care how big Goliath is. I don't care how strong his muscles are. I don't care how many weapons he has. I have the covenant. This rock is going to land right where God puts it. By the way, you do know that the scriptures tell us that he killed him with the sword. He knocked that dude in the head with that rock, and then he went over there and killed him with the sword. Man, the sword does a mighty, mighty work for God's people. Amen. So, so we, we recognize David understood the power of the covenant. Who's this uncircumcised? Why are y'all letting him talk to God's people the way he's talking to God? Remember when he walked up to his brothers and was like, why are y'all listening to that? And, and being the youngest of five... I know exactly how David feels when their brother, you're just a little punk, go on. That's not, I paraphrase, I paraphrase a little. <laughs> but David's like, but we're the covenant people of God. There's something special about us. We're the covenant people of God. And so here we recognize that in Exodus, God has affirmed the covenant. Uh, I got to get moved. Uh, chapter 26, uh, did I just, no, chapter Leviticus 26. Leviticus is tough, ain't it? It's got some good stuff up in there. Leviticus 26, verse 1. You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither carved image nor sacred pillar, nor shall you rear you up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in the land to bow down to it. God says, don't be, don't be prostituting yourselves to idols. That's the word that is used. Don't prostitute yourself to idols. Verse 2, you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season and land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And he goes on to say, I'm going to bless you and bless you and bless you and bless you if you remember the covenant. Verse 8, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall under the sword before you. What is he saying? He, he, he is saying that this word synergy that the Lord had given me, I preached it at the Love Thy Neighbor event, this word synergy, that, that when, when people come together under the covenant of God, their strength is multiplied. It supercharges their strength. So, so the illustration I use that if you have a, a big old draft horse that can pull 2,000 pounds, and you harness two 2,000 pound pulling draft horses together, you would think that they're going to pull 4,000 pounds. But in actuality, they will pull 6,000 pounds. So when we join our strength, their strength is multiplied. Everybody with me? But when you join together with covenant people, then it is more than multiplied. I don't know how you say that, but it's more than multiplied. It, it, the, the, the synergy supercharges the strength. So he says in verse eight again, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you for I will look favorably and make you fruitful and what? And confirm my what? Isn't this powerful? You know how when you were a kid, you had those little connect-the-dot things? And I would always try and figure out the picture. I mean, the, the good ones had like 100 dots or something. And I was always trying to figure out the picture before, and sometimes it's just impossible. And you go connecting those dots, and all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, look at the picture. 
You start connecting the dots on the covenant, and oh my goodness. Look at the picture. Look at what God has done for us. Amen. He has done something for us. I'm going to tell you uh, now about the fifth and final covenant. There was the Noah covenant, the Abraham covenant. There was the Moses Mosaic covenant. And then there was the Davidic or David covenant. I didn't mention that. Let me just tell you what that one is real quick. God told David that you will always be on the throne. One of your family members will always be on the throne of Israel. And, and, and all peoples through you will be blessed, kind of like with, with Abraham. You say, well, ain't nobody on no throne in Israel right now. No, it was a different kind of throne. The throne over Israel is heaven, and Jesus is on the throne. He is the fulfillment of the David covenant. And I'm in on that deal. I'm in on that deal. And the fifth and final covenant is the new covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband. Everybody say husband. Do you see this picture of marriage all the way through the covenant? I was a husband to them. Says the Lord, verse 33, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall each man take, teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I'll, and I just want to put out again, remember the covenant We'll have word and blood. And he says, here's a new covenant coming. I'm going to put my word in their mind and their heart. And then I do love this little point right here at the end of verse 34. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Amen. 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 That is so good. Do you know that all sin has to be paid for? All sin has to be paid for. So there's only one way that God can forgive sin. And still be a good God. There's only one way, and that is that blood has to be shed. The book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which I shed for you. Amen? When we take communion every Sunday and every service, what are we doing? We're reminding ourselves we're the covenant people of God. We are the covenant. He said, do this in remembrance of me. In Jeremiah 31, he said, there's a new covenant coming. There's only a way a covenant can happen is with the word and with blood. And Jesus said, it's my blood. I shed this blood for you. Because you can't keep the commands. But that doesn't remove you from the covenant. Because he fulfilled it all. Amen. Amen. That's so good. So even though I'm not Israelite, even though I'm not Jewish, I am a part of all of these covenants. Number one, uh, the Noah covenant was to all mankind. Number two, we have the, the, the uh, Abraham covenant and the Moses covenant. They're to Jews. But because of the, uh, the Davidic covenant that through Jesus, the Bible says, I am grafted in. To the other covenant. 
and then I am a part of the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And so are you if you have called upon Jesus and made him the Lord of your life. Ain't that good news? Don't get you, just get you excited because you have the power of God working in you. But what it also tells you is you got a whole lot of targets on your back. And you're going to notice it more and more as the culture continues to spiral lower and lower. That, that for centuries, for eons, the Jewish people has been the most hated people on the planet. And guess who it's quickly turning into? Christians. Christians. And why is it that marriage has, has become, has been under attack and, and now even gender and, 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 and all of these things? Why? Because, because the, the, the God of this world, little G, God of this world, he's known as Satan. And he hates that book and he hates you because you're of the book. And then number one tip of the spear, I'm going to tell you this, I believe is the Family pointed out in the book of Nehemiah how as they built the, the walls of Jerusalem, it's a picture really of a church, really of the kingdom. Uh, and it was family, 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 family. And if there was a threat over here, they blew a, 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 a trumpet and this family come run. All these families come over here to where the, the threat was at. Well, families, you're the tip of the spear. Does the church get attacked by the enemy? Well, yeah. Yeah, the church gets attacked, but it's not the church that is funneling uh, garbage in on our screens and, and through the airways and is trying to seduce your children and, and pull them. It's not that that happens in your home, does it not? And, and, and the first thing to go is, is it tries to influence the marriage. The marriage, the covenant is of God is the very first covenant ever created, the husband and the wife. And so we try to minimize it, then we try to destroy it, and that's just the way the devil works. So this week, I give you homework. Yeah. So Wednesday night, we often have a crowd here on Wednesday nights. I love it. It blesses my teaching heart when we have a, a, a church house full on a Wednesday night to hear one hour of Bible teaching. But this Wednesday night will actually be Valentine. And I know it was probably created by Hallmark and the retailers and candy dealers and you know whatever I, I know that that's that's really kind of how valentine came to be but but here's the deal like it or not if you don't take your sweetie out on valentine your name is mud <laughs> and so all of our children programs are going to be happening on wednesday night as normal but couples we want you to go out and have a nice dinner child cares on us Child cares on it. We're going to take care of your kids. We're going to take care of your kids. There is, uh, there is something that goes with that. Uh, you better pick that kid up at 7 o'clock. <laughs> because uh, if you're late, we're sending him home with a Red Bull and a puppy. So uh, 7 o'clock, you can be here to get your kid. So if you, if you live in, if you have children, maybe you should go out to eat in Athens. Uh, if you don't have children, man, go out of town. Now, I've already shown you, uh, men, I'm going to share with you, uh, that I've already done this this uh, last week, and uh, I, was, I was so smooth. Miss uh, <laughs> Christie just had a birthday, and man, I, I took her to the finest restaurant. I mean, I, I asked around, and, uh, 
And I said, we ain't, you know, we're going to go up from McDonald's. We're going to Whataburger, baby. You know? <laughs> no, no. I, I took her to Dallas to a fine restaurant. I mean, this was, this, was, this was classy. This was swanky. We went to a place. They had valet parking. Uh, I had to wash the truck, the whole bit, you know. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, yeah, it cost. Cost some money. But how much value do you put in your marriage? How much value do you put in your marriage? You will waste money on junk. But when you put that money into your marriage, it's an investment. So there's wasting and you don't get anything back. Investment is you don't get something back. And so, guys, man, you do it up big. You be smooth. I mean... You, you, you pull up that restaurant, you, you, hang on, hang on, get the door, hang on, get the door. I mean, you get over there and, and get the door for her. I mean, you can even lean up against the truck and put out the vibe, you know what I'm talking about. You, <laughs> you can just be smooth. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something that, that happens, guys. When you're smooth like that, you also become very attractive. You just, you're welcome. So I'm going to give you some points as you go out, uh, out to eat on Wednesday night. Uh, again, if you have children, come drop them off at a quarter till, then go. If you don't have children, don't even, don't even come. You just go, go wherever. But uh, here's some things I want you to do. Number one, be very nice to your waiter or waitress. Be very, very kind. Number two, pray with your spouse over that meal. And, and you could even ask that waiter or waitress, you know, if you've got a prayer concern, we pray with you, uh, pray for you about. And then number three, when you do that and they know you're religious, which we're not, but they know you're spiritual, um, tip them very well. You know, Christians get a bad name in restaurants because you're the cheapest people on the planet. <laughs> kind of like me with that valet. It's like, hey, don't spend both of those dollars in the same place. You know? <laughs> so no, don't be cheap. Don't be cheap, but be kind. Pray together. Just use this as an awesome date night. And then finally, I'm going to look at these. Uh, there's two things in Ephesians 5.33. And uh, in Ephesians 5.33, the scriptures is telling us really kind of how to do marriage. Uh, it says, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular men so love his own wife as himself. But this really is saying be affectionate towards her. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. And, and really, where this goes, Tony Evans, he did, he, this is why I mentioned that passage of Scripture, not just the giant story. But uh, because he, I love when, when, a, when a, a, a kind of a deep teaching gets simplified. And, uh, and he did that for me in this passage of Scripture. He said, men, you need to feed her heart. And women, you need to feed his head. <laughs> uh, and that all men have an ego. Now, at first, I'm like, mm, I don't know if I like that. But then you, you think about it, and it is so true in that when you find a man who has no pride in himself as a man, has no ego, he is a broken and a miserable individual. He's a pathetic being. And so when you have a woman who is undermining who he is as a man, you have a broken relationship, and you have a doomed marriage. And so he said, he said men... You feed her heart, women, you feed his head. That's such a great statement. And so just recognize that God has wired men that we have to have respect. It's how we're wired. When you take away a man's respect, he crumbles as an individual. He becomes just a, a, a crushed man. But 
God wired ladies that they need that affection. And so as you go out on your homework assignment this week, just know how you are each made and that God has formed a covenant with you in your marriage and that he, is, he values it so highly. And as God's covenant people, we should value what he values. Hate what he hates, love what he loves, and let us do that even now as we take and remind ourselves of the covenant. Remember, the covenant will have the word and the blood. John chapter 1, it says, and the word became flesh. You can join with me in standing. You can kneel at the altar, whatever posture, praise, or prayer posture you want to take as we take communion. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the word made flesh. This bread is a picture of the word made flesh. You didn't just speak from heaven and declare salvation. You came and brought it. You brought it to us. And you went to the cross on our behalf. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You paid our sin debt. Thank you, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we thank you, Lord, for the blood of the new covenant. We recognize that this is grape juice, and in itself it's not holy. But the act of putting our trust in you is. Recognizing that your death on the cross bought our salvation. And so we come today just declaring, Lord Jesus, we are united as your covenant people, empowered by God, multiplying your kingdom, defeating the darkness, and shining your light in our homes, in our community, and in this world. And it's all because of the blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't God so good?